0: I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. We as women probably are hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Others may not put those expectations upon us, but we put them on ourselves. Yes, I agree with that. And I think it's important that we do have to give ourselves grace. Mm -hmm. There will be mistakes. Mm -hmm. We are human. We learn from those and we we move on. Um, So I think it's important, right? And I, you know don't let perfection get in the way of good Yes, and we need to understand where should our time be directed.
1: Amy Spiller is truly an inspirational leader as the president of Duke Energy's operations in Ohio and Kentucky. She emphasizes how important diversity is at Duke Energy, not just around gender and race, but the LGBTQ community as well. She also believes that having a diverse group of team members with different backgrounds and thoughts is essential to making the best decisions. With a tendency toward perfectionism, Amy has learned that she must work toward focusing on priorities by determining what's good enough and admits this has been a journey. Her advice to women, be open to constructive feedback by making changes. Use this feedback to build your nest. Enjoy this wonderful podcast with Amy Spiller, President with Duke Energy. On Leading She today, my guest is Amy Spiller. Amy is president of Duke Energy's Utility Operations in Ohio and Kentucky, which has 2,300 employees and serves approximately 870,000 electric customers and 542,000 natural gas customers. She has been president of Duke Energy since 2018, She's been with the company about 17, 18 years, okay. Duke Energy is headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is a Fortune 150 company and one of the largest energy holding companies in the U.S. The entire company has 30,000 people and serves the Carolinas, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So welcome, Amy. Thank you, Susan. Happy yeah. to be with you today. Now yeah. yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Well, tell us a little about your career, I, I know you were an attor- are an attorney and uh, were with a small law firm in Cincinnati here before you started at Duke. Tell me about your career.
0: Sure, absolutely. So when I relocated to Cincinnati with my husband, um, I took a position with a very small law firm in East Walnut Hills. It was Wilson and Marksbury and there were a total of two men in the firm Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a civil insurance defense law firm, so very heavy trial practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I truly believe that the two gentlemen who were running that firm were were progressive and understood that a female attorney would be a nice complement to what they already had. So I joined the firm and absolutely enjoyed it. Um, And I was with the firm for about 10 years. And when I left, we, we moved from a firm of three attorneys to probably 10. Okay. Um,
1: And they thought you would be a nice compliment to all their male energy, the two guys, (laughs) and bring in female perspective. Uh, uh, What were they seeing as an advantage?
0: I, I think as you think about trial work and depositions, right, these are circumstances where you are questioning a witness or a party to a lawsuit. I think they just thought there were circumstances where a female attorney could be more effective with that questioning, that had to happen, mm-hmm. um, and and we're presenting to judges and juries when you're in a trial, right. and and so I think they just thought it was a nice compliment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a disarming energy that women have, and I can tell you have that. So that's probably what they saw that that maybe you could get uh, witnesses or whatever to speak in a way, or you connect with them in a different
0: way. Is that is that fair? I think that is very fair. Yeah. So again, this was back. So this was back in the early 90s, so rather progressive of these two men. Indeed. Yeah, that was,
1: uh, that was when I started my mortgage banking career. Um, but I have been doing some research on Duke Energy and really impressed with some things I read. I'd like you to talk about them. One is an award from Fortune magazine. Duke Energy named Fortune's world most admired companies for the fourth consecutive year. So it sounds like the awards come uh, several years in a row. How is that based? A company continues to execute a customer-focused strategy that is guiding its investments and delivery val- delivering value to its customers. What is that award about, and how does, it do, how does the company look at it?
0: One, we're incredibly proud of, of that award and that recognition, Susan. Susan, and to be sure, we're in business to serve our customers, right? We've been here for over 180 years in the greater Cincinnati area serving customers and and are woven into the fabric of our communities. But we're understanding that our customers' expectations are changing mm-hmm. um, and that our customers have individual preferences. And so we are incredibly focused now and have been in the recent past on how do we drive solutions with our customers top of mind mm-hmm. understanding that we need to take into account how we how we trim trees mm. how we put in more infrastructure how we respond about outages because of storms we need to do that with our customers in mind what information do they want to know what's important to them and we are factoring their considerations into our engineering decisions when in the past we did not do that so really focused on growing with our customers and not just meeting, but exceeding their expectations. Mm-hmm. How have the expectations changed, maybe
1: around trimming trees or responding to outages? How, how has it changed and how did you find
0: out what they want? Do you survey them? We do actually survey our customers and we will do that on a monthly basis and we will take that data that informed data and make decisions. Um, our customers have always expected reliable power from us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now they're, it's nearly perfect power. And especially while we're still during this pandemic, we know so many individuals are working, learning, caring, caring for others from home, um, that that reliable power is critically important. They want more convenience. Mm-hmm. They want control on their energy consumption. They want information. When mm-hmm. the power is out, our customers want to know when it's going to come back on. Yes, and we so do. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and so important for us to to leverage technologies to get information out to our customers so that we can tell them we think your your power will be restored at approximately this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we've had a couple of power outages over the years, and
1: I think I told you before uh, that you guys respond i think very well i mean you can't help that there's a storm or a transformer that's been hit but i've been really impressed that even though it's gone out i know when it's coming back and you guys are doing the best you can
0: yes and so so more um more tools you know that are app based tools that Mm -hmm. will get that information out to our customers really really great um
1: And the other award that I was impressed with that I found Duke Energy earns top marks in 2020 for the Corporate Equality Index, Human Rights uh, Campaign's 2020 Corporate Equality Index, and the company scored 100% on Human Rights Campaign's annual scorecard of LGBTQ workplace equality for the third year. Tell me about that focus and, um, you know, the diversity and inclusion, not just around uh, women and by people of color and race,
0: but uh, LGBTQ community. Absolutely. And Susan, diversity and inclusion are critically important mm-hmm. to us at Duke Energy. And among our employee resource groups is one for the LGBT community. Um, and, and, you know, we certainly saw last year with the civil unrest how important it is to to engage with our employees and have conversations. So we started last year a series of conversations, Pathways to Inclusion, where we had small groups, cross-section of employees to just sit down and share their experiences with each other because we really want everyone to be able to bring their authentic self to work. And the conversations were so successful that we are continuing to have those conversations throughout all of our different business units Mm -hmm. um, just to learn from each other, but that support um I think you know just the the array of diverse employees that we have if we think of LGBT veterans mm-hmm. um we have an Asian inclusion network mm-hmm. business women's network um we have a Latinos network mm-hmm. all of these very important to create to create that sense of place mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. employees
1: mm-hmm. yeah I uh I served on my company's diversity, equity and inclusion committee, which was developed in the last year since uh, the focus and racial unrest and so forth. And um, somebody mentioned on there that people that are different than others in the company, if you're not a a white, straight Christian male, how do you come into a company and feel like there's belonging and opportunity? You know, Um, how do you feel like you fit in? And and will you have opportunity? Do you feel like you belong? And I have to believe these these groups um, have their own have their own energy, their own uh, commitment to serving in that way uh, to help each other. But then, as they get out into the company, they have to feel like they belong, and there's not discrimination or any kind of bias, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And and I do believe that those employee resource groups or affinity groups they do create that sense of place, that sense of belonging. So they may, the Business Women's Network, for example, comprise largely of women, but also men mm-hmm. who support the initiatives around equality for women. Yes, um, And, mm-hmm. and they, they can then sort of extend out larger into the company. But this focus on diversity, inclusion, equity, it is also from the top down. Mm-hmm. Our senior leaders absolutely embrace This Mm,
1: commitment—that is fantastic. That's revolutionary, and it sounds like it was well before
0: what's happened here in the last year. It—it was well before that. I think last year really put the highlight on it, Mm -hmm. and we are seeing, I think, meaningful change in that regard. Mm -hmm. We're talking. Right, we're mm-hmm. talking about it, which is important, but that's not enough. We're putting actions behind our words as well. Mm-hmm. Last year, Duke Energy announced a million dollars that we would donate to organizations throughout our corporate footprint that were really making significant change around social equity and racial justice. Mm. So here in the Greater Cincinnati area, um, we put two hundred thousand dollars behind organizations, and what was special to me, Susan, about that that gift to our community was that we leveraged our employee resource group, Advocates for African-Americans, mm-hmm. and we said, tell us about yeah. your networks, those organizations with whom you interact that are making meaningful change. Mm. And, and that was something yeah. we don't typically do. It's almost
1: like in the past, a lot of times companies say, we know what you want, so therefore we're going to provide it you know, rather than saying, what is it you want? What are the organizations that you feel passionate about?
0: Yes. And then to allow our employees to have a hand in directing this important support to organizations Mm -hmm. that will make a change in our communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, We're in March
1: 2021. And one year ago, the COVID-19 virus pandemic was first Um, happening, the awareness about it. It had probably been here for a couple of months, maybe even longer, Uh, but a lot has happened in the last year since March of 2020. How has the pandemic affected
0: the workforce at Duke, how you provide services? Talk about that. Hard to believe that we are on the one-year anniversary of this pandemic, and when I think of the changes we made a year ago, they were incredibly swift on all fronts. I mean, we we made changes to how we interacted with our customers. Mm-hmm. We suspended disconnects for non-pay because we understood the criticality of our service mm-hmm. yeah. to our customers. Um, I will tell you, our field crews, they respond to emergencies incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Think about ice storms and snowstorms and tornadoes and floods. We know how to react Mm -hmm. um, in a crisis, and they continued to perform so well, making sure that our service was there for our customers. Increased patrols on those circuits serving hospitals and other healthcare institutions because we knew the role that those facilities have been playing. So we continue to focus on our infrastructure, reliable service, delivering that service. We shifted our employees, almost all of our employees, to remote locations. Mm. And as I think about that, we have a call center right here in Cincinnati. So we have those individuals who are on the phone every day with customers. We move them to their homes, (laughs) and we had the technology deployed so quickly that they could seamlessly continue their work from home. So much interaction with our customers and our communities And a focus for us over the last year, Susan, has been on the newly vulnerable, Mm. those who find themselves in a circumstance that is unusual to them. How are we making sure that we're getting information to them about our willingness to work with them? Mm on their utility bills, so Mm -hmm. much broader outreach and engagement with community partners Mm -hmm. um, so that our customers knew we were here willing to work with them and help them Mm -hmm. through this pandemic.
1: Yeah, newly vulnerable to me. I think of people that might have had a job for a while but maybe newly unemployed and starting to look at their resources. Can they afford rent? Can they afford food? And you're coming in and saying, look, we we get it, we understand, we're going to work with you on your utility bills.
0: Absolutely. And I think we understood, you know, the pandemic put put a spotlight on where there were serious, important needs in our community. So very quickly in March, you know, we directed dollars to the United Way, the Greater Cincinnati Foundation. The Horizon Fund, Mm -hmm. and these were organizations that were making sure individuals could get through the day with dignity, Yes, making sure they had food, prescription medication, shelter, Mm -hmm. the necessities that we all need day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think the pandemic really highlighted some of those disparities in our community. So Mm -hmm. we were quick to make sure we were supporting those organizations Mm -hmm. that were lending a hand.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Um. You went to law school at Wake Forest, where you met your husband, who is an attorney here in Cincinnati with Thompson Hine, a law firm here. Yes. And you've been in Cincinnati for about 25 years. Um, Talk about about your relationship with your husband. Where did you grow up?
0: Siblings, parents? So I grew up in northern Michigan, a very small town in northern Michigan, Gaylord, Gaylord. Where there's not an East Side or a West Side, there's just town. <laughs> there's just Gaylord. <laughs> there's just Gaylord. But it was, you know, it was a great, it was a great childhood. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed living there. Um, and then I eventually found my my way to Wake Forest for law school after graduating from Albion College in, in Albion, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I met my husband Keith. And we have been married. We celebrated a 30 year anniversary in December. Congratulations. Um, And as we're both attorneys, and I think that serves us very well um, because there are days where work gets the better of you. Yes. (laughs) And you just come home and you want to be quiet. Yes. And when your spouse goes through that same sort of cycle, they understand. Yeah. That when you need quiet time, it's not anything that they've done. It's just that you need a little time out. So, yes. um, you know, I, I think we complement each other very well in that respect and having similar professions similar love of travel. Mm. um, And he actually um, exposed me to fly fishing, which Susan has been an incredible mental release for me. Really? Yes. How
1: so? I've done fly fishing. I never caught a fish, but I know how to cast a line. But why is it relaxing to you?
0: Well, I think, one, you're just in lovely locations, right? You're outside on the water um, in just terrific locations. But for me, because I'm not very capable at fly fishing, I am so focused on what I'm doing
1: hmm.
0: for that time that I'm on the river, whether it's four hours or eight hours. And it's just a mental release from those other thoughts that typically are in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. right? Even when we're at the grocery store, we're thinking about other things that we might have to do that day. Um, so it is just that that time where your brain takes a break. Yes, yeah, I, I relate to that.
1: For me, it's, it's golfing or hiking or whatever. Yeah, just to get away from it. And I relate to the marriage thing, too. Sometimes my husband is retired, and I come home after work, and I have been listening and talking all day, thinking, reading, and I just want some checkout time. And sometimes he'll start telling me what he's done all day and what about this and what about that. I'm just like, I need 15 minutes just to, you know, change my clothes and quiet, you know and he understands it's we've been married a long time too
0: (laughs) right right so so it's very helpful when they understand the stresses that that we can come home with yeah or when we need when we need that time out but the support right sounds like our husband's incredibly supportive of our careers yes indeed
1: indeed mine is and it sounds like yours is too
0: um i
1: asked one of your associates uh when we talked uh what is what are the strengths that Amy has as a leader and she talked about how prepared you are all the time and she's learned from that and how important is preparation to you being prepared for meetings interactions with colleagues projects you oversee what is uh, what does preparation mean to you
0: well i think preparation susan is critically important and i'm sure a lot of that just comes from the um, the time that i spent practicing law but as i think about my role now it is to to grow our business right to, to make sure our operations continue to pr- perform well for our customers to respond to the changes that we're seeing on the horizon with respect to our industry and uh, some of it as well is responding to community needs so to drive out solutions We need to understand the background. What are the circumstances that we're working with? Mm -hmm. And then what are the different solutions that we can bring to the table? So Mm -hmm. I think that preparation, understanding the industry is very important to me. Mm -hmm. Understanding where we've been, understanding where we need to go, and then the different paths that we may take to get there.
1: Yeah, just kind of more or less being a student of your industry, always learning, because I'm sure it's changing all the time.
0: Oh, absolutely changing. And it is changing at a pace now that we have not seen in the past. I mean, Mm -hmm. back in the day, right, we had meters inside every home or on the side of homes, and we sent meter readers in. I remember that. To read those. We had a key room um, in one of our facilities here in Cincinnati that had tens of thousands of house keys. Yeah. Yeah. And now we can do all of that remotely. And the, with that information that we're collecting remotely, we can in turn offer different products and services to our customers. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a high usage alert. Mm-hmm. Um, we can push that information out to our customers through different apps. We weren't doing that just a few short years ago, but the industry is absolutely changing. Mm. Sounds like mostly digitally or technology it will be a lot of technology is is coming into into the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when
1: we at our house in Loveland, um, I'd see a guy out walking around our house, and I was like, "There's a guy walking around our house." And my husband said, "That's a meter reader."
0: Yeah, every <laughs> That's what month. He did. <laughs> every month we went into homes. Yeah, wow. On the
1: preparation part, I was curious. Do you ever feel like you go in unprepared, uh, should have prepared more, or do you? tend to over prepare. do you think?
0: My nature is one that I probably tend to over prepare? something that I continue to work with sort of you know the 80-20 rule right that we might hear from from some um, it is not my personality to come in unprepared.
1: Yeah me neither
0: yeah,
1: yeah. just important
0: not. I think and I see people that
1: are unprepared for meetings and sometimes they wing it and get away with it and I think maybe I need to prepare less but I just can't do it it's not how I'm wired. No, I agree. And and I think
0: those with whom you're communicating will know.
1: Yes, they know. They can read it and yes. see it. Yeah. And you you and I talked about perfectionism and how how has perfectionism played out in your career? What are the pitfalls of perfectionism either just with a a leader or as a woman? What what would you say?
0: You're never done, right? <laughs> if you're continually striving for perfection, you're just never done, right? Reading a document, oh, there's a different word I can use, a better word I can use, um, and, and I think, I think we as women probably are hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, others may not put those expectations upon us, but we put them on ourselves. Yes, I agree with that. And I think it's important that we do have to give ourselves grace. Mm-hmm. There will be mistakes. Mm-hmm. We are human. We learn from those and we and we move on. Um, so I think it's important, right? And I, you know, don't let perfection get in the way of good. Yes. And we need to understand where does our time, where should our time be directed?
1: Mm-hmm. Because you can spend a lot of time on something that doesn't require that much time, and it's at the expense of other things that you have to focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I've
0: learned. And so I think this battle for perfection, Mm -hmm. we need to put to the side and focus on what are the priorities, what do I need to do to advance those priorities, and what is good enough for the job at hand.
1: Yes. Right. Well said. Well said. And I do that every day, and I've, I've learned how to do that. It didn't wasn't at the beginning of my career I had to sort of learn that what was expected of me to get everything done that I had to do is that I couldn't focus so much on one thing or two things I had like ten things so give it enough time yes and that is a
0: journey right yes, <laughs> yes. It is. yeah I've learned the hard way yes it yeah. is a journey yeah
1: um, we've talked about uh, constructive criticism feedback we get in our careers about our work how we're doing things I have found this to be very valuable in my career, the feedback I've heard, and sometimes it's hard to hear, um, and often sometimes I would take it personally. But I always tried to look at, be open-minded and look at the feedback and see if perhaps that person is right, that I do need to make some changes, and talk about getting feedback and how important that is, has been for you in your
0: career. That's a great topic to talk about, Susan, because sometimes we do struggle with getting feedback. But we first need to understand why someone has decided to share their perspectives with us. It's because they see something in us mm-hmm. and want to provide information to help us be successful, to smooth out the rough edges. Yes. So we need to understand that feedback is being delivered. With good intention,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, not to criticize, but really to help you improve. Yes, right? to help us grow, to help us grow, to help us improve, to help us get to the next level, whatever that mm-hmm. level might be. So we need to understand that that feedback, again, coming from a good place. Um, and I had a coach who told me, take the feedback, look at it, and if it's important to you and you want to incorporate it, incorporate it. Build your nest with the feedback. Yes. But if you don't want that particular feedback, reject it. Reject it. Yeah, yeah. And
1: do and just say, yeah, thanks for sharing. But uh, I don't think so. You right. Know? But what what feedback have you had over your career? Maybe earlier or mid career, where it's like, yeah, he's right. You know, I need to do that. What feedback where you took it and you changed
0: something? For me. I think very important feedback that I have received related to communication Mm. and understanding that we don't all receive information the same way. Mm. Um, And some of us need more regular engagement, even personal engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the best example I can give for you is during some stressful times for me in a prior position I was so focused on the projects at hand that I would come in to the workplace and get to work yeah but others who surrounded me or who were on my team needed some regular contact yes even on the personal side how are you this morning yes (laughs) Um, and and so there was this perception that I had that I had unintentionally created, that I didn't have time for other people. Yes. Yes. And so I needed to work on that, on communicating, taking time out of my day to com- to intentionally communicate with other people. Yeah,
1: that is really good. And I've done the same thing, that I am so focused that I will come into the office, I still do it, uh, and and go right to work. And, and I'm focused all day. I don't necessarily I don't stand around the water cooler and have chit chat. I don't I've never done that. Hardly ever. And so people have a perception that, y- y- you know, you don't care as much and you do care. It's just that I think we're so focused and driven to to get a job done. We're so serious. It's It's so it's a very big responsibility, a lot of pressure. So we come right in and start working. Right. And and uh, I do have to stop by the guys' offices and say, hey, how, how was your weekend? That kind of thing. Sometimes I'll start writing an email, and I'll go right into the issue at hand without saying, and then I
0: go back up and add, how are you? I hope you had a great weekend <laughs> later. Yeah, I mean, I, I, but, but you're right. I mean, my hope is that every one of our 2,300 employees here at Duke Energy Ohio and Kentucky is excited to come to work and likes to come to work and that they know we do care but when we're not communicating with them in a way in which they want to be communicated, yes. they have a feeling that we may not care.
1: Right. And it's just making sure that, you know, they want to know that we're human and we do care about them, that it's not just about achieving goals and working hard, right? It's, it's a, kind of a family. You yes. Know, a family of people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And not everyone communicates the same way we do. So it's adapting.
1: I've had people tell me that, you know, um, when I get really committed and passionate about something, that it's just business, you know, that when I take on something, I'm all in. Uh, and I get passionate, I'm committed, my emotions are in it. And talk about a time when you took initiative on something and you really wanted it to happen and it, it didn't happen. Um, didn't go
0: through tell us tell us about a story there so one that that comes to mind for me because it it very quickly mixes business and and people is when we had a very significant filing before regulators and the outcome of that filing would determine how we dealt with a particular line of our business would it continue to remain within the duke energy family or not Um, And this was one where the personal investment was there, Um, a very significant time commitment by me and my team, um, one that we were invested in heavily. And the outcome was not what we had hoped for. Um, In other words, we lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, to me, was probably one of the toughest days when that decision came in. I was actually fly fishing. (laughs) Um, so I came off of the riverbank, and I remember the email from one of my colleagues. It was, I'm sorry to have to tell you this. Um, and, and, and what bothered me about it was the people employed in that line of business. And my thought that because we didn't deliver, these folks may not have a job with Duke.
1: Yeah.
0: And fortunately, I had a... a a, a confident, a colleague who was incredibly honest with me at every turn. Um, and when I got back to cell phone reception, I called him and he said, this will be fine. We now have clarity. We can make a business decision. We've had this overhang for years. We now know. And these individuals may not be employees of Duke, but they are going with the business. Mm-hmm. They will have jobs. It's okay. And so it was someone who provided a perspective for me that I needed. Yes. That, and I often find this, that I
1: work so hard for my clients that when something doesn't work out, I feel personally like I've let them down. Could I have done anything else? When that one phone call came in, when this one situation happened, could I have handled it differently so the outcome would be different? So I, I take it personally, you know, that I maybe should have done something else, but a lot of this is outside
0: of our control. Absolutely. And and as long as we can tell ourselves, I worked hard. I did all that I could. Yep. Um, the losses will happen. They're difficult. We learn from them and we go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, you
1: believe in diversity in a big way. And that diversity of opinion is not only good, but it's necessary. Talk about your your team at Duke Energy and uh,
0: diversity and how
1: important that is.
0: Diversity of thought is critically important to me, Susan, and I I learned that early on in my career because it drives a better outcome every single time. Mm -hmm. If my team sort of were just images of me, thought like me, processed information like me, it would be it would become a very dull environment. Mm. Um, and what I greatly appreciate about my team is we're very comfortable to challenge each other. Mm, that's good. To that's bring, like Patrick yes.
1: Lencioni, five dysfunctions of a team, you know, trusting each other, accountability, and then conflict. Right? And we so have it. And that's good. That's good. <laughs> right. And yeah. you're going to have it because you have different opinions. If everybody nods their head and said, yes, that's what I guess that's what she wants to do, let's do it, it will affect the company because you may have other things that need to be done that you haven't opened yourself up to hear about because of the diversity of an opinion and you want everybody to agree with you.
0: Absolutely. And as I think about it, our customers are incredibly diverse. Our communities are diverse. And when our teams reflect our communities and our customer Mm -hmm. base i think again we can drive that better that better solution Mm -hmm. Um, and and so my team as i think about my my immediate direct reports there's 100 diversity with with gender and with race Mm. as i go further down into my team very solid diversity as i think about about gender and we there's also diversity with experience with background time with the company, prior professions that you may have mm-hmm. had um, as compared to the position you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a lawyer. I am right. out of the legal department, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have members of my team who have had held different positions within the company. And I think all of that influences our perspectives and collectively we just drive a better decision.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like your team feels open to sharing
1: when they disagree with something, and that it, let's talk about it rather than shutting them
0: down. Absolutely, and and I welcome that to say sort of this is what we think is the initial path or the desired outcome. What am I missing? Mm-hmm. Where are the landmines? Where are we vulnerable? And so you want to be sure you're making that decision with that input from your team, and then we're all behind mm-hmm. that decision mm-hmm. yeah it's a team effort and they feel pride in the fact
1: that you've arrived at a decision with hearing everyone's opinion and then coming to a conclusion now not everybody may be happy but at least you've talked about it and you've come to a decision that okay we're, we can get behind that
0: right and, and i also think the team understands there are times where i'm not going to take their input mm-hmm I need to make this decision because of the circumstances related to it, but they understand that there are those those circumstances mm-hmm. because and we the, talk about that and the whys whys yes. behind
1: it. And that's a leader. That's a leader that says, "Look, I, I appreciate your opinion, but because of this, there's we just can't do it that way." Right. Right. Um, talk about uh, you've been president of the of this big company, twenty three hundred employees, all of these customers, and. Talk about that position coming becoming available and you wanting it. You wanted that position. I did
0: want that position. And and Susan, there is um there's a backstory, right? So I when I was in the legal department in 2012, the position became available.
1: Mm.
0: And I interviewed for the position with one other individual. And I know there was one other individual who interviewed because we drove to the interviews together. Oh okay. <laughs> must have been interesting. <laughs> it was very interesting. And in two thousand and twelve, I did not get the position. It went to Jim Henning, okay, my predecessor. um and i was um I was disappointed. and then I through the the process, was told, this is why you didn't get the job, mm. And part of it had to do with external relationships. And the suggestion that came to me was, well, to help build out those external relationships, you should interview for the position that Jim is vacating. And that was the position of a vice president for government and regulatory affairs in Mm -hmm. Ohio and Kentucky. And so I went to the interview, um, and I'm across the table from Jim on on a dark, rainy day. We're at Starbucks, and we're having this conversation about this new position that I might that I might take. And I went into the interview incredibly confident. They just rejected me from one job. Surely they're not gonna reject me from the second job. (laughs) And as we're having this conversation, this was the same time we had this very important filing in front of the regulators. Mm -hmm. And I was the lead attorney on the filing. And I just stopped mid-sentence and looked at Jim and said, do you want me as your lobbyist right now? Or your lawyer? Hmm. And we both knew the answer. At that moment, I needed to stay where I was. I could best, I could be the better employee for Duke Energy if I stayed in that, that attorney position. So not lobbyist, but lawyer. I did not move. Jim hmm. went on and hired someone else who ultimately became a friend, a confidant, a colleague, and he and I learned so much from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I reflect back, I didn't get the job in 2012. I did get the job in 2018. Yes. But what I got in those intervening six years was so incredibly important in terms of my growth. Yes. My understanding of the business was influenced by the perspectives. Perspectives of others with whom I was closely working in, in that mm-hmm. time. So it sounds like you
1: felt more ready in 2018 than maybe you were in 2012 without really knowing that you maybe
0: weren't as ready as you could be. I, I agree with that. I mean, it was, I was disappointed in 2012, but it was the right outcome. Mm. That's great. That's great. Well, congratulations. I mean, I admire you for
1: leading this big company and uh, I just really like your warmth and and openness. Tell me about your, um, you do a lot of nonprofit board work. What uh, What are you passionate about? Why do you feel like it's important to serve on nonprofit boards?
0: Nonprofits, I think, are so critically important to our communities. And just that the raw passion that comes from so many nonprofit board leaders, um, you know, a board that I'm not on any longer, but that I just adore is Red Bike. Oh, okay. And and Jason Barron is doing wonderful things with bicycles. Mm-hmm. Using those, right? Sure, there's the environmental impact, um, but bicycles are a way to connect people, right, to jobs, to other opportunities. Um, and, and Jason continues to build out that system. They implemented the Go Red program. Mm-hmm. So low For, income heart, riders, yes. The heart uh, initiative, Go Red. Um, so this is a Go Red Bike program okay. where where individuals with um, that may be financially challenged can have a five dollar monthly membership. Okay,
1: and these this is the Red Bike uh, mm-hmm. program downtown, so yep. you can get a bike, put a credit card in, and get a bike for a period of time. Right, right. it's bike share.
0: Yeah, um, and so share. it's just it's it's it helps I think in making our community more attractive mm-hmm. to outsiders. There's the health element, the environmental element, and and folks do use these bikes to get to and from, right? Mm. To, to work, to appointments, um, to other, you know, social events. Mm.
1: That's wonderful. Well, a couple more questions, uh, close out. Uh, what what pieces of advice would you give a young woman at the age of twenty five, thirty, right now, more or less at the beginning of her career? What advice would you give her as she's looking ahead in her career and um You know, what do you feel like maybe you would have liked to have known back then?
0: A couple of pieces pieces of advice um, that I feel important, Susan. The first is bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. You are in a position, do that position Mm, well. Um, I, I think that's very important. But the other is to not be afraid to articulate where you want to go and what your aspirations are Mm -hmm. Um, i think early on i was one who always thought i'm going to work hard my work will demonstrate to others that i am capable and i am qualified of doing other things and when the time is right someone will tap me on the shoulder (laughs) and say here's the next opportunity for you amy it doesn't work that way no these are our careers, our lives. We need to be actively involved in where we want to go career-wise. Mm-hmm. So I think it's perfectly fine to say, I want to be the CFO. Right. I want to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and to identify that and have those conversations with mentors, with bosses, so that you can be ready and they can help you be ready for that next position. Right. Very good advice. I felt like you did. I thought...
1: I'm going to be good. I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to do great work, and somebody will anoint me to be promoted. And then I saw other people being promoted, and I thought, they don't know that I want to be promoted. You know, So you have to talk to them at your review time or schedule a time to go in and just say, I just want you to know that I aspire to do other things, whether you have children or not, and people have discounted you know sometimes with women with children they're maybe more they think they're more focused on family. We're driven too, mm-hmm. and we want uh, career uh, advancement as well. so don't assume that I may not, and they may assume, but you have to set them straight that look i'm I'm interested in moving uh, relocating, uh, I'm interested in that next position. Tell me what I need to do to get there right, right, yeah, bloom where you're planted. I love that. Yeah. Last question. Um, Sounds like you vacation. What uh, what are you and your husband planning in the next year or
0: two for vacations? And where do you go? We are so ready. Yes. <laughs> Our passports are getting dusty. So we are we are ready when we can safely travel to start doing that again. We are optimistic that that time will be in by August because we've already booked a fishing trip to Alaska. Oh, wonderful so very very much looking forward to that
1: yeah oh yeah we we uh, went to alaska on my it was my 60th birthday uh, and spent some time up there it's beautiful beautiful up there
0: oh it yeah we've only been once so very excited to to get there again and then of course we love locations in europe yeah. so italy france mm-hmm. um, do you go on tours or do you kind of stay loose on We stay loose and and we travel with another couple um, and complement each other very well because we're very prone to plan, right? This is where we'll be today. This is what we'll do during the day. Here's our dinner reservation. Here's the train that we're going to be on the next day. So we had the itinerary planned before we even left the United States. And our friends were much more about a slower pace and understanding, sort of a slice of life, yes, in the day, right. Um, and had just as much fun visiting the butcher and the bakery as they did the museum. Oh yeah, and so it's been a very, very nice compliment that we're we're slowing down and spending more time just appreciating mm-hmm. that little town that we might be in, taking in the people and the community, and and that's what I like.
1: My husband and I went on a Rick Steves tour of Italy.
0: Oh, wonderful!
1: Yeah, and it was back to back. It was very, very hectic, lugging luggage around from one place to the next. We got a lot of twenty-one days, and we got a lot of lot of Italy in there. But I, to go back, I think I would want to slow down and take some time in Venice, you know, sit and have coffee in the
0: morning for a while and, you know, just really take our time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we are, we are slowing down and appreciating that sense of place more. Yeah. Well, Amy, thanks for coming in. It's been great to
1: get to know you. I
0: appreciate Kay Geiger
1: introducing me to you. And uh, it sounds like you are a great leader. Uh, and I admire your work and uh, uh, best, best to you and your career. And. And uh, your travels.
0: Oh, thank you, Susan. So happy to spend the time with you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.